We turn now to a battle playing out in schools across our country. Many educators are rethinking how race and the roots of racism in this country should be tackled in the classroom. While some critics say that the so-called woke movement has gone too far, especially when it impacts their children. Comments suspended at today's Carmel Clay School Board meeting. The superintendent made that decision after several contentious meetings over the past few months involving debates over diversity and inclusion. In early 2021, Carmel Clay Schools brought in diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, known simply as DEI, a program that seeks to combat structural racism. Critical race theory is a way of thinking and teaching about America's past and present by looking at the role of systemic racism, what we've just been discussing. But the very term itself, critical race theory, has become a political flashpoint across the country, especially when it comes to how to teach young people about justice and equity in America. Since then, a battle has erupted between those that welcome the changes and others who see it as leftist indoctrination of their children. You have lost sight of your responsibilities to educate our children. Parents are learning, watching, and taking action. I think what's most troublesome was the harassment teachers and specific board members were getting at their homes. It's a conflict that has spread from local school board meetings to a culture war dividing parents across the country. They don't care what we think, they don't care what we say, they don't care how we feel. These are government schools to indoctrinate children against their parents. In the quiet enclaves of Carmel, one man is leading the fight against these progressive changes. Alvin Louie came to Indiana to escape the leftist indoctrination he claims was taking over his home in California. He leads Unify Carmel, an organization working with local parents to fight against DEI, something that he believes might sound neutral, but is in fact associated with critical race theory, a concept that sees racism as an indelible part of American society and law. And when you have these activist teachers that bring this stuff in, you're literally taking hostage, you know, a captive audience of children. What evidence do you have that children are being indoctrinated in the schools now? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one is the way they have the materials that the, the, the teachers read. Uh, they have them read books that are very critical race theory, critical race theory authors. Uh, there's a ton of uh, LGBT gender indoctrination. What they're doing is that they're changing the culture of the schools and changing the way children think about race themselves, America, the values. So you sent me this image. So we have Karl Marx, mm -hmm. we have Tupac, mm -hmm. we have a meme. Yeah. What's indoctrinating about this in a classroom? Well, it's the idea that uh, teachers, activist teachers, are taking upon themselves to put up things like glorifying Marxism. Critical race theory is a Marxist ideology. Is that not just history, though? Because he is a famous figure in history. Ironically, they don't put pictures of anybody else that is pro-America. They're changing the values and the morals of children to hate the country. That's the problem. That's not education. Do you know that they're doing that, though? Yes, 100%. How? Because we have, we have whistleblowers, teachers, and, 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 and administrators in the schools telling, showing us that when they teach, they only teach one, one direction. The Carmel Clay School administration has a very different viewpoint. Though they weren't willing to give us specifics, they told us that they've retrained teachers to be more sensitive to the backgrounds of students and have prepared children to be a part of the global community but they claim they haven't changed the academic syllabus itself. What would you say to people from Unified Carmel that call these DEI efforts anti-American? 
Yeah, so that's something that we've heard and that's something I don't understand. So something that we look at other countries and we talk about and we look down upon are when leaders ask people to follow them blindly. And that's not what we should be doing here in America. I love America, but to love something, to truly love it, is to want it to succeed and to want it to be better. And it's not teaching kids to hate America, it's teaching them the truth about what history actually looks like. Local parents are concerned about the politicization of schools and the lack of transparency from administrators. I recognize we need to deal with racism, bias, and sometimes just ignorance, but we need to make sure it's a constructive approach and not a destructive approach. I see lots of cultural generalizations um, that just aren't necessarily true. And the way to know my children, what they need, is by getting to know them and talking to me as their mother. I don't think we have systemic racism. I think we have racist people. And I think people aren't helping to enforce the systems that we do have. I don't want to challenge you, but I, I would just say I, I talked to a student today who said it was normal for her to hear slurs in her classrooms and for teachers not to say anything. And that's why in her mind it was systemic because that was like almost the culture. I'm not doubting her experience whatsoever, but my point would be Where's the accountability? The system doesn't allow the school teacher to be that way. They're, they don't know what's going on in their own hallways, and they're spending money on all the wrong things. I'm here for my kids to get an education. I don't need my kids taught how to rally, how to protest, how to march. Not my kids from their upper middle class home in their idyllic suburb. ABC's Terry Moran examines this growing flashpoint. So what is really happening in our schools? I think there's a lot of mythology and rumor and confusion so that people are kind of arguing about things that they are not actually clear on what's happening. Takima Bunch-Smith is a former New York City school teacher and now executive director of the Center on Culture, Race and Equity at Bank Street College of Education. She helps schools and other organizations implement equity policies and practices. This is really a time, I think, to think about ultimately what kind of world do I want to live in and what kind of a world do my children deserve to live in. Say his name! That's an urgent goal in today's America, but how we get there is bitterly dividing school communities, bringing a long-simmering conflict to full boil. There is definitely an overfixation and obsession with race. You know, in New York City, 50% of our kids aren't even reading at great proficient level. Yatin Chu is the mom of a 10-year-old who attends a New York City public school, an immigrant to America from Taiwan, and co-president of Place NYC. That's an advocacy group. Chu thinks this is not where the school's focus should be. It is infusing a lot of what students are learning in the classroom with discussions about race. Um, I find that to be problematic. Then there's the fight over what and how kids are taught about social justice and equality and the conceptual tools some schools are using to do that. It's called critical race theory. Critical race theory is not a bad word, although it may have been demonized um, for political reasons. The reality is it's about equity. It's about justice. Parents are speaking out at the Riverdale Country School in the Bronx. Children are being taught to see each other as defined by their by their skin color. Brian Bartning is an investor in New York and co-founder of the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, which advocates against CRT-based education. 
Bardening, who describes himself as half Mexican, Native American, and half Jewish, took his two young children out of Riverdale when he learned about the equity curriculum. They didn't look deep enough. They, they didn't really stop and say, well, is this really achieving our goals? Bartning says his foundation already has 20,000 members from across the country, parents concerned about the impact of these new ideas on their kids. When we have a whole bunch of little kids who are told from a very young age that they are defined by their skin color, you know, that you're going to end up with a society where everybody's tribal and everybody is racist. As Amna Nawaz reports for our Race Matters series, the debate over its potential role in school curricula has set off a firestorm that has roiled school districts and state legislatures nationwide. I mean, there were parents that were just sick of it. They were just sick of, you know, constantly being told, if you don't agree with me, then, you know, you're a racist. Ian Pryor's two daughters are in elementary school here. He's a former Trump administration Justice Department spokesman, now leading a group called Fight for Schools, a political action committee pushing back on equity and inclusion measures. We're not about not teaching history. We're about teaching history in an objective way that is not represented as America is systemically racist. When you're looking not at individual acts of racism, but the systemic racism that exists within America's educational institutions, what would you suggest be done right now? So there's a balancing act here of making sure that you know, there's equal opportunity for all, that we're committed to meritocracy, but also that you know, when we are trying to, to figure out how to deal with any kind of social problems, we do not overstep and overreact. Jalea Lyles Dunn is the director of Learning for Justice, which offers resources for teachers to create anti-bias learning experiences. Culturally relevant, anti-racist um, instruction models needed. We need a classroom set up, so not just instruction, but we also need a space that lets children know you are welcome here. An inclusive education is a space where we all are at the table together. We all hear everyone's story. We the debate over which stories are included and how they're taught has fueled pushback. Back in Loudoun County, we sat down with school superintendent Scott Ziegler. We have said uh, for months now, we are not teaching critical race theory in our schools. We're not using any type of program to quote unquote indoctrinate or convert our children. Uh, our equity work is all about doing what is best for children. That equity work was implemented after outside probes found black and brown students disproportionately disciplined in Loudoun County, facing racial insults and racially motivated violence, and students of color harmed by school practices. What was decided at that time was we need to endeavor on a program, a systematic program to help our teachers with this, to give them the knowledge and understanding so they can have conversations around race, very open and very honest and very, sometimes very tough conversations so that they can make um, our schools better for students. Ian Pryor's group launched this year in 2021. Superintendent says there is no critical race theory being taught here. Why are you arguing well, against something yeah. that's not being taught? No one is saying that they're teaching critical race theory in Loudoun County Public Schools like it's physics or chemistry. It's being implemented through teacher trainings and that you know, ultimately drips down to how they teach our students. And it's not a subject, but it's a way of viewing the world. Our students are not living in a colorblind society. Scott Ziegler is interim superintendent of the Loudoun County, Virginia School Board outside Washington, D.C. More than 80,000 public school students. And here, too, race and justice in the schools have divided families, with social media threats actually triggering a criminal investigation. 
Ziegler taught history for 17 years before going into administration, and his view of this swirling controversy is simple. If I start making decisions based on what adults want, or what adults need, I've missed the mark. You've got a group of parents who have, who have gotten very angry about these efforts, uh, and they, they're accusing you of political correctness, of trying to impose an ideology on their children. That's not what we're about. I'm, I'm here to do the best that I can for students. My students are telling me that they're having racially charged incidents in our schools. And that tells me I need to do something about that. And Pastor Michelle Thomas, she's an optimist, believing that all the struggle and debate over these issues will, in the long run, help the country. We have a great opportunity to elevate the education and the humanity and the citizenship of all of our students. For ABC News Live, I'm Terry Moran in Loudoun County, Virginia. Uh, Richard, did you want to say anything? Yeah, I actually had a question I wanted to ask. I, I, we talked we talk about the last book, so I wanted to say that, you know, when Paul wrote, St. Paul wrote, no <laughs> male, female, no slave or free, what he was doing was inviting the Roman citizens who could not, the Roman people who could not be citizens to become citizens of the kingdom of God, that yeah. they were welcome in that kingdom. Mm -hmm. And my question is, is that what seems to be being taught is not really necessarily history, but it's these anti-racist trainings that are being disseminated apparently into the school districts. You know, there's things like intersectionality and that may be derivative of critical race theory. So are these programs being imposed upon our, our school children? No, 100% they're not. In California, there is no such thing as critical race theory in K to 12 schools. It simply does not exist. But I'm talking about the anti-racist programs because people are getting I, letters I, from their to their parents or getting letters telling them to use proper pronouns. Oh, no, we have none of that. Like that. That's not true, Paul. That's not R true. Rich, that, rich. That, sorry, Rich. I, I apologize, Paul, for saying rich, <laughs> rich, rich. That that's simply not true. That's okay. simply false. And I'll tell you that. We do not tell anybody which pronouns to use for themselves. It's up to each individual to decide who they are, which pronouns they want to use. That's not something that the teachers have anything to do with or that we force. That is absolutely incorrect. We also don't have any anti-racist curriculum that does not exist. Now, do I in my classroom talk about racism? Yes, because it's intertwined into literature. I teach a, a novel called The K. It's uh, from World War II times about a young boy who gets stranded on an island with a Caribbean man. Has anyone ever read The K? It's about racism. It's about Dr. King's dream. You know, for those of us who uh, know the Dr. King's dream, it's literally about the fact that in our nation, there has been a long history of racism. We can't lie about it. It's right. the truth. And it's intertwined into curriculum, but it's not teaching anti-racism. I don't tell the children, you can't be racist. This isn't, but why would I say the opposite? You can be a racist? What in the but, world are we talking about here? Yeah, but I've been seeing and hearing 
about, and my brother got a letter which caused him to take his children out of public school, which um, talked about pronouns. Maybe it's only at the high school level that they're doing this, but um, that, and I've been hearing that in the news as well, that um, teachers are getting fired for not using the proper pronouns and things like that. That's coming out in the news as well. And so- um, Here's the thing, Rich, and I'm going to tell you this as a 25-year union representative. I'm also a leader in my labor union, the American Federation of Teachers 2317. No one can be fired for using the wrong word, okay? So that's not true. Um, However, in California, um, if students feel like they want to be called a, a they, them, that's their right to be called that. They can be called that. Um, I, I don't know that anyone's ever sent home a letter about it, but that is actually, you know, something that children have the right to to feel how they feel as a human being. Um, every individual has a right to be respected, but I've never in my life heard of anybody being fired because they didn't use somebody's uh, a pronoun. I, we don't send home letters at all in the Ocean View School District about anything like this. There is no law that says we have to do that. So I don't know where your brother's kids went to school, but I mean, I've never heard of such a thing. It doesn't exist in California law. Okay. Thank you. You're thank welcome. You. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. And, and thank you, Rich, for asking that question. Thank you, Gina, for answering it. Thank you for that little robust back and forth there. You know, that's important. You know, these when we're seeing or hearing in Richard's case, hey, is my kid being told? Someone even asked in the chat, Gina, is are they, are we being uh, are our kids being asked to identify themselves as a no. pronoun? No, absolutely not. That we cannot do. You cannot ask children what you want. What's your pronoun? That is not true. We do not do that. So I I don't know where that's coming from, but I can tell you that's definitely not occurring in the Ocean View School District or where I work in LA County in the ABC Unified School District. So I work in LA County as a teacher and then I'm the president of Ocean View. That's not happening in either county that, that I know of that I'm working in. So no. And I will say this, we are really in a blessed position to have you here because you literally work in two different counties. You live in Huntington Beach. So you pretty much are like, I don't, that's not the case. I've been doing this for a long time. So I think you guys, we can definitely take this educator's commitment and her word for that. And Gina, thank you for that so, so much. I think that really has been impactful. Um, Dixie, did you have a question? I just don't want to miss you before we close out. Guys, Dixie, you want a few words? Well, you uh, you addressed it about uh, young children. Are they being asked to choose their pronoun? Because oh it's no, that my my uh, granddaughters were in the Whittier area. Oh. In the Whittier is Whittier School District. Uh huh. And how old are they, how old are your uh, granddaughters? Uh, in they're in high school now. I mean, when when you think this occurred, do you, do you know when this occurred? Because we're not allowed to do that. So I'm not sure what where that's coming from. Do you know if the children themselves ask to be if a child asks from their own will, if they ask to be called they or she, he, whatever it is, then the teacher has to honor that. OK, but if we don't ask the children to identify themselves, we're not supposed to be doing that. Teachers don't do that. And, and I will say this to Gina's point, you know, if if you guys hear that from your children or grandchildren, 
please, I would honestly, I would say contact the school and I would say, you know, say, hey, this, my child is saying this particular teacher, because to Gina's point, I'm special needs, but I know that they're not supposed to ask questions like that. I do know that. And they shouldn't. And if they do, that's some sort of rogue, you know what I mean? Teacher going on their own way. But that shouldn't be the case. Right, Gina? Yeah, exactly. So uh, here's the thing. Um, and I see I see something in the chat about uh, critical theory and um, yeah. So we don't teach critical theory or critical race theory at all in California in K to twelve schools. That is not true. I, and I, you know what? I am I'm going to be real strong about this now because I I don't like misinformation. I know though that some people believe that it's occurring, but no, no, I am telling the truth. Someone says that it's, it's all over California. You're not telling the truth. Um, I don't know who's writing that, but in fact, it is not. If you want to right now, you can go to the California Department of Education's website. You can look up the social studies curriculum at each grade level and you will see that it does not exist. We are not allowed to teach CRT in California schools K-12. That is not true. Critical thinking is not critical race theory. Maybe someone's getting confused, but we do not have that in California. Period. End of story. I'm sorry. I'm going to strongly disagree with you and respectfully, but I will not allow misinformation to be spread. I'm not going to allow it. And and Gina, thank you for that. Uh, the person in the chat, uh, the person's name is Karen. Uh, I will say thank you for expressing your freedom of speech and your right to your thoughts and feelings. Um, but Gina, thank you for clarifying that as one of our educators very much. So before we close out, everyone, and Gina, if you could stay on, we just have a couple minutes we want to share with you of our vice president uh, just recently talking to the National uh, Educators Association. So Richard, go ahead and we're going to share screen and let's listen to our vice president for a few minutes um, during this time. Thank you. As educators, you know, we all know that history has never been an unbroken line toward progress. That even when we have advances, there will be setbacks. In certain times, those setbacks being more drastic than in others. This is one of those moments, but we will not be deterred. The president and I are counting on you to help us move forward as a nation. And it is clear, educators are a central part then of moving our nation forward. You are not only essential to our children's future, I'm here to share with you, you, I believe, are essential to the future of our democracy. So these may be difficult times. And I know that at the end of this convening, you will each go back to your home district. You will go back and you will spend long evenings and nights preparing for the next day. You will go back and often be in a situation where it feels kind of like you might be the only one who sees what you're seeing and understands what's at stake.
But let's remember moments like this. And let us remember that the fight toward progress, by its very nature, is not linear. We're going to have our ups. We're going to have our downs. Let's remember, I like to paraphrase all the time what Coretta Scott King said. She said, the fight for justice, the fight for civil rights, the fight for freedom, the fight for equality must be fought and won with each generation. And I think when she said that, she had two points in mind. One is that it is the very nature of what we stand for and therefore fight for that whatever gains we make will not be permanent. There's so much strength in what we achieve, but there is also fragility. So we must be vigilant. And the second point then being, if we understand that's the nature of it, it's not going to be permanent. It is fragile unless we are vigilant. It's the nature of it. So do not despair. Do not be overwhelmed. Do not throw up our hands when it is a time to roll up our sleeves. The reason why we wanted to have you listen to the last few words of what Kamala was saying there is that she just spoke about how, just like every other aspect of America's history, when it comes to equality, when it comes to equity, when it comes to immigration, when it comes to finding harmony for all of our American citizens and also people who are here, it's always a fight. And she brings that up because it's also education is included. Making sure that our students are sure to be achieving and receiving the best education possible, making sure that they have the best educators who are diligent and very caring about the distribution of the information and honest. It is a constant move forward and fight to ensure that it stabilizes our, ed our education system, remains stabilized, robust, true, and continuing to uplift and properly educate our youth. She really delivered that in such a wonderful way. And I wanted you guys to feel the essence of the power of education. Education got me out of poverty. Education got me out of a, of a difficult state in my life and lifted me to better places. People like Gina mean the world to me because she loves education and it's in her heart and it's every fiber of who she is. So our democracy is built on many different principles, education, freedom of speech, and so many other rights. But education is one of the top. And as long as our education is robust and strong, so our democracy will be as well. So that is the first episode conclusion of the arc of democracy. Our next episode will be coming up here in about three weeks or so. We will have the former uh, uh, woman who ran for Congress, Laura Oatman on. She is amazing. She currently resides in the Newport Beach area and she is going to speak to us on the arc of democracy, the Supreme Court and democracy today. So that's going to be a really exciting discussion as well. I want to go ahead and let everyone know, don't forget, midterms are coming up November 8th. We have approximately 58 days. So please, let's make sure that we are being activated and we are talking to our neighbors about voting. And here's the key, especially if you are voting in line with liberal principles up and down the ballot. We do not stop at just the first top. We go all the way down.
Okay. Um, I also want to uh, let you all know, and I said it before, and I let Richard jump in where he'd like to, the wonderful Richard Presida, that the uh, truth of democracy, we are going through a big revolution. We are really opening our doors to so many of our leaders to come in. I have some awesome surprises for you that we will be having some amazing leaders from DC speaking for us in the coming months. So I want to let you all know that I thank you so much. I'm honored to be here with you guys and moderating with Richard. And uh, this has been a wonderful discussion. Again, Gina is running for Huntington Beach City Council um, for this November election. Uh, be sure to be engaged, everyone. Be activated. And Gina, if you can leave everyone with one final thought before we all log off and enjoy our beautiful Sundays of what action they can take to take the information that they learned today and continue to be active in their democracy. What can they do? Well, that is something that I talk to my students' parents about every time they come to a parent-teacher conference. So imagine you're at your parent-teacher conference with your child. Think back to when you went with your kids to school. And one of the things that I uh, encourage the parents to do is go home and talk to their children about where they come from where they come from and why they're in America today. Talk to how you got to this nation, whether it was 10 years ago, one year ago, a hundred years ago, or your relatives have been here since, you know, the pilgrims were here. Or if you're a person of uh, first nations or native blood, Whatever that story is for you, talk to your children and your grandchildren about why you're here and why you're proud to be an American. Because in that discussion will be civics. Civics will come out in that discussion. And that's what I encourage you to do. Talk to somebody that's younger than you that needs to know why and how you got here and to know your story and your family's story and why you're proud to be an American. Beautiful, Gina. That couldn't have ended even better. Everyone, yes, give Gina a round of applause. <laughs> that. And uh, Richard, uh, you did fantastic. Thank you for working with us hard on the back end, making sure everything ran smoothly. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. The next uh, episode will be absolutely marvelous. And until then, continue to work along the arc of democracy, continue to seek truth in democracy and continue to be active participants within this beautiful America. Thank you, everyone, and I wish you well. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dom. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks.